This is the Smart Beats Marketing Podcast, episode number 185. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Bruce Irving, here with you for another episode of the show. We bring you the podcast, our live show, our mastermind group, our agency, everything that we know that we can help you build a better business and figure out what's working today. Because there's a lot of things that are changing. Facebook makes changes. Instagram makes updates and changes. Snapchat comes and goes. And we try to bring you the show to help you run your local business, whatever it is, and figure out what's working today. We're going to bring you interviews, expert guests, and we do all of that here on the show. So welcome back to another episode of the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Excited for today, the guest today. You're probably going to recognize who our guest is today. His name is Mike Ganino, and he's a speaker. He's now an author. He's joined us on our live show many, many times about uh, talking on all things culture, hiring, training, all of that stuff that I get tons of questions about. So he has a new book that's out. It's called Company Culture for Dummies. And he's joining me on the show to kind of talk about what's inside that book and how it can help you in your local business. So I think you're going to enjoy this episode of the book. And if you want to check out his new book, Company Culture for Dummies, you can go over to smartpizzamarketing.com and type in Mike and all of the episodes that we've done will come up and they're all linked in there. And it's on Amazon as well. But we talk about that on the show. Before I get into today's episode of the show, I just want you to know that we can help you run your marketing if you're looking for some help in your marketing, Facebook advertising, Facebook bots, email marketing, Facebook bot creation, Instagram, Instagram advertising, anything like that, we do that over here at the Smart Pizza Marketing uh, Agency. We do it for all of our clients, and we can help you as well. If you want some information, the problem is we only work with one operation per zip code. And if you want to see if your zip code is available or if, we, uh, if there's some opportunity for us to work together, go over to smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash zip. You can type in your name, your business name, and your uh, zip code and see if it's available for us to work together. Also, I would like to thank our sponsor, Total Loyalty Solutions. If you're looking for an online ordering system, which I highly suggest you do, Total Loyalty Solutions is the one for you. Uh, the cool thing about Total Loyalty Solutions is they only charge you one flat monthly fee. They can also help you build an app for your business, and it all integrates into your website. They use your own photos and your own images, all customized for your business. One monthly fee for online ordering, whether you do 100 orders or a million orders. It's one flat fee, which is cool. They don't charge you a percentage or a per order fee. And it's all going to you. All of that information, all of the customer emails, the customer phone numbers, all the information goes right to you. You get that so you can market to them later by listening to the podcast here. So go check them out over at Total Loyalty Solutions or smartbeatsmarketing.com. We'll have a link over there for you to check them out as well. All right, so let's get into today's episode with Mike Ganino about company culture and hiring and training and all that good stuff. So let's get into it. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. I'm excited for my guest. You're going to know who this guest is. He's joined us many times if you've joined us on our Facebook Live show. He's also been a guest a few times now on the podcast. He's got a new book out. It's called Company Culture for Dummies, and his name is Mike Ganino. Mike, thank you for joining me on the show, man. What is up? This is a, you know, it feels like home being on the show with you. I know it does. We've done so many episodes with our with the live show on Tuesday nights. We've done a few podcast episodes. We're in a mastermind group together, so we're like best buddies. I, you know what? That's what I always say. Like you are my my best business friend. Yeah. If I need something for hiring, training, culture, if anybody asks me a question, I'm like, you know what? Go talk to Mike because I don't know any of that. I'm there. That's I'm right. here for him. So I'm excited for you, Mike. You got a new book out. You're an author now. How does that feel? It's crazy, right? It's it's like one of those things that I'm still like getting used to. I'm having this like 
I don't know. You know, there's people who put out a book and then it's like, oh, I'm very smart. I'm an expert. Look what I've done. And I think I'm like more of the Kelly Clarkson version of this where I'm still like, hey, y'all, it's just me. And I put a bunch <laughs> of words together. So I still feel like really I'm still surprised by it sometimes when uh, when somebody introduces me now as an author, like when I was speaking or I did a workshop last week and they said, oh, we've got, you know, author Mike Ganino here. And I was like, wait, who is that? You know, so Where's we're still going to talk to him. Yeah, what did he? What does he have to say? Um, and today I got the coolest email. I did some work with um, one of the state fairs. I went up and worked with all their employees, and she sent me an email because I sent her a copy of the book. And she was like, "Oh, it's so great! I was reading this section, and here's a quote that you said, and was like giving me my own quote back of like this thing that you said resonated with me." And that's still so weird to be like, "Oh yeah, I did write that." So I'm still getting used to it, but it's fun. So what is the book about? How did how did this whole book come about? Oh my gosh. So the whole book came about, so with these, uh, you know, the dummy series, right? So there's, there's thousands of these titles and it started actually like in the nineties, these dummies books as a way for people to understand technical systems. But the very first one was DOS for dummies, like MS DOS. And so it was all about how to learn, how to work with your computer. And eventually they started branding it into other areas. And so, you know, now they have it on everything from wine to cooking, to, you know, leadership, to internet marketing, even. And so they they come to you, essentially. And so a friend of mine, they'd gone to a friend of mine for a different topic. And he said, oh, it's not right for me, uh, but you should talk to Mike Ganino. And they wanted a book on how to become a public speaker. Because so as you know, I do a lot of public speaking and, and in that world a lot. And, you know, for me, I was like, eh, I could probably write the book. I could put all the ideas down that I've done. But I don't know that I could sell the book because that's not what I talk about. I don't travel around and talk to companies about how to turn their employees into public speakers. That probably would be bad for business, right? Right. <laughs> Everybody and would be so, leaving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, you know, I think I can write the book, but I don't, I don't know that I can sell that book. I don't know that I can bundle it into the work I do and reference it a lot. And I said, but if you needed a book on company culture, uh, I'm your guy. And she wrote back and said, oh, we don't have a book, Company Culture for Dummies. And I was like, seriously, it's 2017. There's no Company Culture for Dummies. You should. And I went into sales mode and I was like, well, here's why you need it. Here's what people are struggling with. Um, here's what I think is missing from all the other company culture books out there and what I think we could do different. And uh, and so that was last summer in like September. And then we did the contract October and the book was all done at the end of January, turned in and came out in May. I'm still amazed about from anybody, and I admire anybody who writes a book because I know how much work. And you know, I've obviously me and you have talked, or you and I have talked. See, that's why I'm not writing a book. I don't know how to talk. Um, well, you didn't read my book yet. You might you might read it and say, "Well, he should have written a book either." <laughs> but I, I I admire anybody who puts the time and effort into writing a book because I know how hard it is. Oh my god! Well, and you know, you were there. Uh, you know, I don't probably was texting you and saying, "Oh my gosh." This is so painful. But, you know, there are those people that will come on these shows and they'll be like, no, I just sat down and it was like a it was slow and everything came out of me. That was not the case, my friends. It was so challenging <laughs> to sit down and to think about, OK, how do I distill 20 something years of being in the hospitality industry, working with tech startups, working in the airline industry, working with uh, all these different groups I work with? How do I distill that down into like messages? And you know, what I didn't want to do is I didn't want to write another culture book that was all about theory that said, hey, everybody, culture matters. And here's why. And you should really care. And it takes, you know, really, really caring to build a great culture. I wanted to write a book that told people what to do, like read this chapter and go have a better meeting, read this chapter and go have a better conversation with your employee. And so that forced me to really think about 
not only what did I believe, but like, what did I do? How did I do these things in the past? Because that's for me where the book came from. It was all stuff that I've done or stuff that I've helped people do. And so I had to sit down and organize that. And so it, uh, it was a beast, but it's, it's like 370 pages long. So it is definitely a cycle. One of our, one of the reviews said like, this is the Bible of company culture. And I think that he meant it just because it's so thick. Yeah. I'm looking at the table of contents now on Amazon. If you want the book, it's available over on Amazon. Uh, we'll link it up in the show notes. If you want to go over to smartpizzamarketing.com and check it out after this interview is over. But it is quite a book with a lot of subjects. And anybody who knows Mike knows that he knows what he's talking about when it comes to not just company culture, right? It's about, it's about building that team. Everybody who's listening right now is probably a local business owner or a small business owner or a medium-sized business owner, and they want to build a, a good team. So how, how, what, what should somebody start with? Like, where does your book start for them? Yeah, you know, it's great. So that's one of the things that's really cool about these dummies books that I was really excited to partner with them on this on my first you know, book was that I wrote every single chapter so that you could go read it. So if you're if you picked up the book and you said, ah, I'm getting ready to hire somebody new and uh, they're joining the team and I want to make sure they have a great onboarding experience. Well, you can go straight to chapter 10 and just read that chapter and it's going to give you a ton of things you can go do. You don't need to read the whole book to be able to get value from that. So that's one of the things I love is that it really does allow you to say, what's hot for us right now? Oh, we're, we're doing some training. Great. We'll skip to the training chapter. Oh, we're having trouble with getting our managers to give lots of great feedback. Great. Then go to the chapter on that. And so one of the things I think is really cool is being able to do that. And so for me, the, the cornerstone of the book is really all about that company culture is not just for these big, cool brands. We, we tend to look at it and we see, you know, I go to a lot of conferences, I speak at a lot of conferences, and I see the people who come and speak, and it's, you know, somebody from Shake Shack, and somebody from Google, or somebody from um, Zappos, and it's all these cool companies, and I think that's great, and we can learn from them, but I think sometimes when you're a small business, like a lot of the folks watching this show, like I was for so long in my career, it's easy to discount that and say, well, I can't do those things. Right. I can't build a great culture, because we don't have nap rooms, and massage areas, and, and <laughs> food trucks outside every day. So it's, it's, that's, that's what it takes to do it. And so I think the whole argument I make here is that to build a great team, to have a great culture in your, in your business, it is not about all of those perks and benefits. In fact, I don't even really talk about perks and benefits except to make fun of them, of how people use them to be like, Oh, if we give people enough snacks, they're going to be happy and productive. And what I know and what the research shows is that's not true. It, it is ultimately about relationships and about communication. And, you know, that's something, Bruce, we've talked about so much when I've been on the show in the past is how do you just go eye to eye, belly to belly with your employees and have a conversation? How do you help them do that with each other? And so this entire book is really based on the belief that it comes down to how we build relationships, how we communicate, the stories we create together. And that's really where I think if you want to build a great team, that's where you've got to start is thinking about what are the stories my employees are telling right now when they go home? What are they saying? And when I start working with somebody, so if one of the folks listening reached out and said, hey, can you come work with us? That's where we start. I start by going in and like kind of mining their employees for all the stories. What do they talk about? What do they say about the leaders here? What do they say about what matters? And by listening to those stories, you can pretty quickly figure out what do you need to do to fix things? And, you- and I think that's where more businesses can start. Yeah, and I think that's interesting, really interesting when you look at it. Because a lot of businesses say 
that they listen to their customers based on the reviews they get on these different websites, right? That's a form of listening to what your customers say about your business when you're not around. So you're saying do the same thing with your employees. Oh, totally. I mean, like a lot of the, a lot of the folks who are listening may not have Glassdoor reviews. That's that's you know something that's a little bit more corporate yeah. um, that companies do. But that's such a great listening tool. Like when a company reaches out to me, I always look and see do they have any Glassdoor reviews. And it's such a gift because you can learn a lot. It doesn't mean it's all true. Just like Yelp reviews, we know uh, right. sometimes the stuff in there is not completely what actually happened. But you can learn a lot about what's going on. And so my suggestion to these companies and, you know, someone reached out the other day because they were getting ready to buy another business. They own a couple of um, coffee shops and they were getting ready to buy someone, someone out from their business. And they said, oh, what should I be thinking about and asking to decide whether it's, you know, they were going to leave the brand of the other one intact. They're going to leave the name and all the employees. And I said, just go and start asking for stories. Ask people questions about, you know, what matters here and how are decisions made? And what are the times when you, when you know uh, that things are going well? And what are the times when someone started and you're like, ooh, they're not a fit here? Um, because those stories end up being culture. I mean, culture is just a bunch of stories. If we think about it, like, on a global perspective, like, you and I live here in the United States, but I live in Los Angeles and you live in Massachusetts. And so if we were to go together to, to Japan, they would say, oh, these are two Americans. But you and I are very different and the communities we live in are very different within the U.S. And when we go to Japan, we have a little bit of you know, culture shock. It's like, oh, I recognize that people are drinking coffee, but I don't really understand the way they ordered it. Or I don't understand the way it works. Right. And so that culture shock and those and it, or culture itself is really just a bunch of stories. It's a bunch of things that we believe this is how you act. And we saw someone act this way. We told a story about it and we all kept telling that story. And so why do people act differently in one country versus another? It's the stories about what's right, what's wrong, what a good citizen is, how you should act. And that same thing happens in your business. And so I find that if you're thinking of, Ooh, there's something wrong in our culture. We need to change it. Start by diving in with what are the stories your employees are telling? Uh, what are the stories your leadership is telling themselves? You know, I saw this, you and I have talked about this a lot and talked about it with some of the folks that, that we have in common or that you've introduced me to through your show. And there's that common sentence of, you know, oh, employees today are this way or that way. And what I always, and, and there's an example in the book of this exact example. And what I always say is, is that actually true? Are all employees today any specific way? Or is that a story you're telling yourself, which is just a belief that you have as a leader? And if you believe that employees today are all entitled or all lazy or all something, then what does that cause you to do? What action are you taking? And because you took that action, how do then employees tell stories about you? And it's just like vicious circle. And until you investigate the stories being told and say, okay, do I like those? Do I want to change them? then I don't think you can really do a lot to shift the culture because you don't really know what's going on yet. It's kind of like malpractice. Yeah, I like that. I like the stories part. And your your analogy with the, the visiting Japan actually hit home with me because not that I've ever been to Japan, but you're right. You know, when you go to Japan, you have to ask people, quite, like, how do you drink coffee? Or <laughs> where do you go to the bathroom? Or where is the hotel? You have to ask questions in order to get the information. So you, you as an owner, if you feel like you... Uh, like you said, I get a lot of people who email me and be like, Bruce, I need to start over with my staff. Like I need to clean everybody out and start over. Where do I begin? And I'm like, first of all, I'm like, you know, you need to go email Mike because I don't know anything about that. But 
second of all, you need to figure out why is it why are you attracting the wrong people? Yeah. Do you think that's the first part of it? Is if you think you have a bad company culture or you need to clean house, as they say, is it because you're attracting the wrong people, or is it just that it doesn't matter who you're attracting? It's what's what's happening when they start with you. That's the problem. It's. I think. It, I think it can be both. You know. What I see over and over, you know, you've seen this probably where there's somebody who like at company A was like a problem employee and they didn't like them and they weren't doing well. But then they went to company B. They went from working at Starbucks to working at Chipotle. And then all of a sudden they're an amazing employee. Yeah. The person didn't change. What changed was the context and the environment. So I think it can be both. There are certainly some people who are just jerks that you can hire. But I would say if you look at any group of people, if you have five employees or 50 employees and you say, they're all a bunch of jerks and I need to start over. I would say that that's probably not your problem. Your problem is probably the environment. And when people join that environment, it changed. For example, when we, you know, like if you've ever been, I grew up as a kid, like, you know, kind of a kid from the trailer park who, who ended up just being in the right place and working at a pizza hut and kept leveraging and growing and until I, you know, got where I am today. And so I remember, going and being invited to like fancy, you know, fancy dinner parties or places where I just didn't belong. Like it was like clear that I was a fish out of water. And why do you feel like a fish out of water? It's because of culture. It's like you walk into the, and I live in LA now. So now there's like all kinds of fancy things you can go to. And, (laughs) you know, you go to something and you're like, oh, wow, I'm not dressed the right way. I don't know how these people interact. I don't know how they hold the wine glass. I don't know what the rules of protocol are. I don't know how we, which fork to use. All of that is just culture stories about what's right and what's wrong. It's why, you know, when you go, I have a friend who was just telling me this the other day. She's Indian and she uh, married a Caucasian dude. And when they were first met the family, it's very common in Indian um, uh, dining that it's very respectful for a family member to kind of take, you know, the bread that they use or whatever they use, the, the, the food that they use and like scoop up some of the the food and feed it to you. Well, a lot of Indian food is very like braised and liquidy. And so this like auntie had like dipped her, her bread or, or whatever it is into some kind of, you know, meat, braised meat thing and went to feed it to my friend's, you know, now husband, but then boyfriend. And he like refused it. Cause he was like, Oh my God, this is so gross. Well, it wasn't gross. The auntie was like really offended because that is what you do. That's culture at play. And when you think about your business, when a new employee starts, what is the environment they're walking into? Because your culture is not the handbook. It is not the, it isn't the, uh, the orientation program that you do. That is part of it. But if the only place they hear about like hospitality and caring and what matters and what doesn't is there, and then they go and they start washing dishes or they start serving customers or answering the phone and they watch a different environment, they're going to shift. We are so adaptable as humans. We have the ability, like when we move, when we go somewhere, we shift very quickly. And you have you have kids, and you probably see that, like when they're around certain groups of people, oh, they start to act differently. Yeah, you're not allowed to come over. Like, there's certain kids aren't allowed to come over my house. <laughs> and that's exactly the thing at work. When these people join the team, they want to fit in and they want to be part of the team, so they start doing whatever the team is showing them that they value, and that is culture, and it is all based on the stories that your employees are telling and the stories your employees are living every day. How do you, as a business owner, tell the story, maybe without having to be there all the time? Is that possible? Oh, yeah, totally. Because I actually think, you know, there's a storytelling is like so popular right now. Like everyone's talking about storytelling. A lot of people from like 
the branding and marketing perspective. But I think there's a whole side of storytelling around culture. And often on the on the branding or marketing side, when you see people out there talking about storytelling, it's about controlling the narrative or delivering the narrative to people so they like understand what you want. I think from a from an employee perspective, from a company culture perspective, it's actually about fueling the narrative. Because I don't think you can control it. You can't control what your employees go home and say to their friends and family and spouse about their job. What you can do is fuel it with the right stuff. And so I actually think as a leader, sure, it is important to be a great storyteller and to be able to communicate in that way to move people. But I think it's even more important that you are fueling through your actions, through your systems, through your operations, through your people, people handling the kind of stories you want your employees to tell. Like if you want people to go home after their very first day at your company and say, oh my gosh, this was the best first day I've ever had, then it's not about telling them that it was the best first day they ever had. It's about showing that to them. It's about fueling the first day. So what would make someone tell that story? Then your job is just to give them the ingredients as a leader so they go and tell that story because you can't control it. Right. And I think, like, what is what is a good what does good company culture look like to you? Like, maybe some people think they have bad company culture, but it's actually not that bad. Like, what does a good company culture look like? <laughs> it's funny, right? Because because one of the one of the things that I had to think a lot about when I was writing the book is that there isn't one that's right. Like, you can you can be a bank and be slightly more formal. You could be a com- you know, like if if I'm going to go give my my money and my life savings to someone, or I'm buying a very expensive house. I don't want someone who kind of, I don't want a company that acts like Zappos or that acts like Southwest Airlines. I want someone that's like, okay, we're taking all your money. I want someone who's serious. Right. Um, and so there's all kinds of different styles of company culture. And if you're running a manufacturing place, if you're running a, a fancy tech office, both of those can have a good culture or a bad culture. It's not about the business style. What I think a great company culture is, and actually in the book, there's a whole section where I talk about the beliefs of leaders. And then I did a whole piece on like the beliefs behind this book. So what do I ultimately believe? And I think that that work ultimately can be positive and fulfilling for everybody. I think everybody can go to work at any kind of business and they can be uh, fulfilled by that if they're allowed to contribute and they're allowed to show up. I think that culture is mostly about our relationships with each other and work, not the perks, not the environment, not the types of, you know, fancy chairs or desks or open office spaces. And so if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I run a a pizza shop in a small town. Awesome. You can totally have a great culture. It is not just something that you have to be in a big city with a big budget to do. I think that that uh, great cultures are full of diverse opinions uh, with people from different experiences, different backgrounds, different strengths. And there's a ton of psychological safety where people feel like I can share feedback. My, uh, I write a column every month in QSR Magazine, Quick Service Restaurant Magazine. And this month's uh, column is all about creating a culture that is rich with feedback. Because I believe, and, and the book is based on, a place where people are able to share and listen and, sh- and contribute to each other's ideas, I think that's a positive culture. It could be buttoned up. You can have like a very fancy full service dining style thing with good culture, or you can have like a really laid back pizza place. Um, I was just with the folks at Homeroom um, Mac and Cheese. It's this really crazy, awesome brand, busy place in Oakland. And I was just with them and like their employees wear whatever they want, like literally wear whatever they want. They, <laughs> you want to wear a t-shirt, you want to wear a polo, you want to wear jeans, you want to wear shorts. Um, and yet there was still this culture, this positive culture because it wasn't about 
controlling everybody. I've been at a, a very busy, like fine dining restaurant where it was very buttoned up. There was a specific uniform. There was a specific, you know, kind of way they carried themselves. And they also had a great culture because it wasn't about all of those little uh, pieces. It was about the relationships they had together. And so I think that that's where if you're listening and you're saying, huh, I wonder if we have a good culture or not a good culture. I would think about one, what are the stories your employees are telling? Uh, do you know what they are? Are you aware of them? Are you listening to them? Two, how often are people sharing ideas with each other? How often are employees kind of giving their discretionary effort to making the business better, to caring about customers, to caring about each other? If you don't see those types of things, then there's something wrong. And I do not think it's your employees. I think it's the environment. How often should you be asking those questions like for feedback or for ideas or questions of your employees of how the job is going or how they feel the customers are interacting with them? How often should that be happening? I mean, daily. I, I think every single day we should be talking to employees about like, hey, what was really great? What was, you know, what do we want to do better? How would you summarize this shift? I think, you know, one of the things I learned from from these mentors of mine at Zingerman's at Ann Arbor, um, Maggie Bayless, who runs ZingTrain, has this way that she would teach about feedback called like best next time. And I think that's something you should do every shift. You should say, hey, uh, Bruce, awesome day today. Uh, let's just run through how did it go? What'd you like best? What do you want to do different next time to, to make it even more impactful? Um, and listen to those things. I think in your weekly staff meetings, if you're having them, or even in your daily pre-shift, just say like, cool, so what's the, what are some things that are going on? And listen to the way people talk about customers. Listen to the way they talk about each other, the people from the day shift, the night shift. And if you start to hear where it's an us versus them and that customers are all horrible idiots, then something's <laughs> wrong in the environment and you've got to shift that culture. Well, I mean, customers are all horrible idiots, aren't they? Oh, my gosh. I'm just, oh my I'm gosh. just kidding. Uh, no, but I, you're right about that. And I think that communication in all facets of life is important. There's no over-communicating. I mean, I yeah. guess you can over-communicate to the point where you become annoying, right? I think I but That's think just like my sister. <laughs> She's awesome. I like her. Um, no, I think that there's a way that you can like over communicate if you are constantly telling people uh, how to do things like in the micromanaging way. But I don't think you can over communicate when you're talking about uh, how we work and what matters here and the stories you tell. If every single story from your orientation about your culture is like three years old, then something is broken. If you don't have any current models to say, you know, when you talk about like how we value the guest experience, if your example that you think of is three years old, you have got a problem. Your job as a leader, as a manager, as a shift manager, as a trainer, whoever you are, your job is to be constantly looking for examples that highlight your culture, your values and what you're all about. And then you've got to be telling those all the time. I don't think you can over communicate that side of things. And now something that we've talked about in the past, which I'm not sure is if, if it's in this book is exit interviews. Do you still think those are valuable? Yeah, I think I think there's two things. I think um, the idea of exit interviews is awesome because sometimes you can find out a lot of stuff when people are leaving. I think that there is, you know, a lot of uh, sometimes there's not a lot you can do. This person's made their mind up to leave and everything's kind of over. So it's like, oh, I'm struggling with that. I do think that there's a lot you can do around kind of stay interviews, too. There was this group that wrote a book a while ago called Stay Interviews. And so in my book, in Company Culture for Dummies, I talk about like one on ones. Yeah. 
um, and how you should do them. And in there is a whole list of questions uh, that you should be asking. So if you think, I don't know what to talk about during one-on-ones, great. Then flip to the section on perfecting <laughs> one-on-ones and there's like a hundred plus questions. And those are the kinds of questions you should be asking your employees before they decide to leave. So you can enroll them and ask them to help you fix it. Because, you know, you know, we've talked about this before. I don't think employee engagement is an employee problem. I think it is not their job to be engaged. It is our job to be engaging. Like Bruce, if you and I went to a movie and we sat in the movie and we're like, oh, this movie sucks. We're going to go. People wouldn't be, wouldn't say, well, Mike and Bruce are just bad movie people. They're not, they're not engaged in the movie. They're not about movie engagement. No, the issue is the movie sucked. (laughs) Like, the movie wasn't good. And so we keep blaming employees in a way for the lack of employee engagement. And we stop saying, well, is the environment not engaging? Are the leaders not engaging? Is the, is the culture not engaging? And that's the real problem, not employees. Yeah, sometimes as the owner or the manager, whichever one you are, you get so bogged down in the day-to-day of getting the tasks done that you don't necessarily communicate very well with the employees. And you know, a day becomes a week, a week becomes a month, a month becomes six months, and then a year, and then before you know it, you haven't really talked to that employee about what they're what they like and don't like about the job. It's, yeah. much, it's then by that time too much time has gone by. Well, and then you do the exit interview and you think, Well, damn, why didn't you tell me? Right. And I, I would assume the employees were like, Well, why the hell didn't you ask? <laughs> right. You you were always angry. I could never come up to you because you're always something wrong. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Or you were always so busy or, you know, here's one of the things, if, if you're listening, well, if you're hearing me say this, then you're listening. So uh, to you, well, my dear if you're listener, listening, start listening. <laughs> yeah. Now it's time to start listening for real. Put down whatever you're doing. <laughs> I think one of the things that is a horrible, horrible leadership mistake is when people say, don't bring me problems, bring me solutions. Because what if the employee doesn't have a solution? Do you want them to just not tell you like, hey, there's a, the, the water in the kitchen is running all over the place. Well, I'm just going to leave it because I don't know how to fix it. So, you know, uh, my manager said, don't bring me problems, bring me solutions. And I don't have a solution. So I guess I won't tell them and I'll just let the water run all over the floor. Right. No, sometimes your job is to say like, hey, I'm glad you brought this problem to me. Let's talk, talk through it. What do you think we should do? How do you think we should handle it? And that whole saying, and I see it so much and I think it's such a mistake of, of you know, it's, you shouldn't bring me problems. You should bring solutions. It's totally BS because part of your job as a manager is to say, oh, cool. Thanks for bringing this to my attention. Well, what do you think we should do? You know a lot about this. How do you think we should handle this? What do you think is the right thing to do? It is our job to bring up the level of our employees. It's not their job to solve all the problems. And so I think get rid of that sentence because it's total BS. And if your employee, if your accountant saw that someone was stealing money from your shop, but they didn't know how to fix it, would you not want them to tell you? (laughs) I absolutely would. Yeah. I, I hate that. Whenever I hear it, I cringe. It's one of those things like I'll be at an event and I'll hear somebody say it and I want to be like, no, stop saying that because it's not it. One, I don't think it's accurate. I don't think it's true. I don't think anyone who says it really believes it. Um, and two, it's not helpful. I used to do I think I used to do, you know, I grew up in the business different. I grew up in the business. Right. So my only like I don't have schooling or I guess Google was around back then and there was books, but I don't read that much until podcasts <laughs> came out. So I think I This did. is why I have to keep coming on your show because I know you're never going to read 370 pages of books. <laughs> so I just have gonna, to keep coming on and talking to you about it. We're going to have to do a chapter, a podcast episode <laughs> per chapter so I get the whole book out of it. Or until you That's do great. an audio version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll listen to the audio version. But I think <laughs> I did do that. I think I said, all right, great. That's a problem. What do you think we should do about it? Yeah. And yep. then they would look at me and be like, I don't know. <laughs> 
And then I'd be like, all right, let's work on it. Let's come up, let's problem solve that a little bit. It's great. I love it. And what's great about that is like, if you assume that your job as a leader is to develop other leaders, what a great way to teach them about decision-making, right? Yeah. You should look at yourself as like a, a parent or a coach, right? Yeah. Like a mixture of those. I do that with my 100%. kids. They come to me with problems all the time. And then I say, go talk to your mom. No, <laughs> she knows all. <laughs> yeah, she knows everything. She actually does. I said, I could help you with that problem, but she's just going to make a different solution anyway. So you might as well just go talk to her. But no, I try to tell my kids, listen, problem solving skills are the most important skills you can have. So they come to me with the same thing. Dad, this is going on at school or this is going on in the, on the team or at home. And I'm like, all right, great. What are you going to do? How do you what do you think you should do to fix that? I love it. And that you should do that in your business as well. Yeah, I love that. There's this woman, um, Cy Wakeman, who has a book called Reality-Based Reality Based Leadership or something like that. And I saw her at a conference and she said that whenever, whenever an employee would come to her and ask her, like say like, oh, this is going on and this problem and that problem and this person and that, she always says to them or she suggests that you should say to them, oh, how did you, how did you help? Because it's such a great refrain when someone's like complaining about somebody or something is to say, uh, ooh, how did you help or how would you like to help or what do you think you could do to be helpful? Because it's like, oh, shoot. I'm just standing here complaining about everything, but I guess I have some ideas of how we can make this better. That is a great thing to ask. Cause I'm sure if you're listening to this, an employee's come up to you to complain about another employee about doing something, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So if they come up to you and say, oh, this person didn't clean up last night, great. You'd be like, great. What would you do about that? Totally. You know, it's funny when I do, uh, whenever I, I work with, with clients, we kind of do a deep, you know, kind of culture. And it, so like my approach to culture is when somebody calls me, so if somebody on the show called and said, Hey, we want to fix our culture, I would say, cool. Sounds awesome. But what is the business problem? Because I don't want to just come in and be like, let's, let's make pretty things. I want to say what's broken <laughs> is your, is your customer service broken? Is your initiate, is your, uh, in it, uh, innovation broken is your is your employees just aren't getting stuff done broke like what is actually not happening let's solve that problem and i'll teach you how culture can help fix it and so one of the things that happens a lot in that world is that people will say you know i'll, I'll be working with a group of managers and or even two co-owners right this happens a lot where i play psychologist between two founders of a business and um they'll say all this stuff about the other one and i'll say oh my gosh so what did what did so and so say when you told them all of this and it's always like, well, I've never told him this. And it's like, well, why the, he why the heck do you think that you keep having the problem if you had a problem with this person you never told them? No wonder it keeps going on and driving you crazy. So let's figure out how you go have the conversation with them because I think it's going to be a lot more awkward if I have the conversation with them than if you do. Yes, I love that. <laughs> you could do this. Is it, is, is there, speaking of being awkward, is there a point where it's too long or is there like – Say you want to say something to an employee, right? Yeah. Um, but you're afraid of the consequences of whatever you're going to say to them. And I don't mean yeah. it in a bad way, but like you don't want to start an argument or you don't want to have a debate. Uh, is there a point where you have to just do it in or is it like when is the point of no return when you, it's too late to talk about that one thing? I think the point is it's not happening anymore. So like four weeks ago, you were stacking all the plates on uh, the wrong shelf and it's not happening anymore. So why bring it up? It already fixed itself, so like, let it go. There's yep. no point. This is the issue with performance reviews, by the way. I take, I take down performance reviews in the book, too, and give you a whole new idea of doing them, is that you address stuff that maybe happened eight months ago but isn't really happening anymore, but you need something to write on the form, so you bring up the fact that they stacked the plates in the wrong place, even though they fixed it. It's like, well, they fixed it, so who cares? Let's move on. <laughs> right. So I think 
one, if it's not actually happening anymore, then just move on. If it's like, I still hold a little grudge because I remember that you used to do it wrong, but you're not doing it wrong anymore, then move on. The lesson's been learned and they got it. Two is if you're just like, well, I don't care. I'm just going to let it go and, and this doesn't bother me. So if it's something that's like small and it's like, it doesn't really bother me, it doesn't really matter, then let it go. Who cares? But three, if it is something that is still bothering you or you think, wow, if that happens again and this person does what they did last time, it's going to be bad, then I think you have to address it. And you know what I would do? I would be honest and I would just say, hey, Bruce, you know what? It is totally my bad as a manager. I really, really am working on getting better at giving you feedback in the moment and I've screwed up. A couple of weeks ago, I noticed something and I didn't say something to you at the time, but I think it's really important that we talk about it. Um, so can you forgive me for not bringing this up to you earlier? Sure. Yeah. What's up? Okay, cool. Let's talk about this thing I saw and let me highlight why I think we need to talk about it. That's how I think you address it. Love it. What's your favorite part of this book? Ooh, 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 ooh. You know what? I have through everywhere I've worked, every place I've been involved in, every, um, every long-term project, every, every company I've worked at as an employee, I have been known as the guy that does a killer new hire orientation. Like if there was like a weird, like award for like person who nails how to do onboarding, I feel very confident in that area. There's a bunch of other things I'm not so good at. So I think that chapter 10, which is all about onboarding new hires and why it's important, why it is one of the most critical things in the employee experience that so many people are getting wrong and some very simple things you can do to make it feel amazing. I think if every company listening to this, if every owner of a restaurant, of a business who listened to this, adopted the stuff in chapter 10 on onboarding new hires, I think they would fix 70% of their culture problems. I hear a show coming on about on YouTube or Facebook about Mike acting out how to onboard new employees. My God, we could do like a whole series. This chapter is like 20 pages long and it has like a whole thing in here because it's like, I think there's a perfect first day formula. I think there is stuff you should do beforehand. I think there's stuff you should do to help them make connections with other people. And uh, so so often in the restaurant industry, really specifically, orientation or onboarding is this event that happens at a table with a manager or an HR person. And we forget the fact that like the job right then is to help the employee understand three things. One is what is this business all about and why does it matter to me? How do I fit in? Number two is what is the work I'm supposed to be doing here? And how does that How does that impact me and what do I want to gain from this and how can I be helpful? How can I do great stuff? And number three is who are the people I'm around? Who am I working with? What are my relationships? Who do I lean on? How do we take care of each other? And I think that most companies are not addressing those three things in orientation. They are only covering the like what's going to get you fired stuff. Yes. You know who I talked to? Lee Cockrell talked a lot about that and how they onboard employees at the Disney company, which is something that people could look at because – you know, he said they have a whole process. They have a whole video process, a hundred questions yeah. they ask. They have an interview process. Like there's training involved because because you're becoming a cast member and you're putting on a show. And everybody should look at their business like that. Absolutely, and especially for so many of the people listening to this show right now who are like creating a, a guest experience or a customer experience, you have got to be thinking about it this way to say I've just put this new employee into a show. How do I help them understand the part they're playing? How do I help them understand the other characters in the show with them? How do I help them make relationships so they know that the person standing on either side of them has got their back and they've got each other? And so chapter 10 in the book is the one I think. uh, Skip to that if you're reading it and uh, and go deep on it because it's one of my favorite chapters and I think it's 
it's super actionable and everyone should be doing it. Yeah, I love that too because your product or your the experience the customers have when they come into your establishment is what makes them come back. Like we do marketing. And marketing gets them to try you. But your the experience they have when they come visit you is what gets them to come back time after time again. Totally. And, and guess what? That marketing is real expensive if they only come back once. <laughs> That's true. That is <laughs> right? true. So, Mike, where can we go check out more? I know MikeGanino.com is your home base. Can they get the book at MikeGanino.com? They cannot get the book at MikeGanino.com. That's one of the, you know, there's so many folks who do, who did like self-publishing and they can sell the books directly. Um, but I am in no way set up to sell you books directly. So the easiest way to get the book is through Amazon. Uh, you could just type in company culture. It shows up. You can type in Mike Ganino. You can type in company culture for dummies. You'll recognize it. Um, or you can come to me directly and, uh, and connect with me on my website, MikeGanino.com. Uh, sign up to be hooked up with me on the newsletter. I'll send you out some ideas there and, and hook you up with the book for sure. And then uh, coming up soon, we're going to do like a whole 30-day challenge. So if you want to find out about the 30-day challenge, uh, culture challenge, it's going to be quick little 90-second tips. Then go to MikeGanino.com and just join the email list, and, uh, and I'll be sending that out next week to get you started and it's it's super easy just 90 seconds a day quick idea for you so that's where you can find me there and if they listen to this in the future they can still get that oh yes if you listen to it in the future just go still join the email list and i'll hook you up with that as well and ganino is g-a-n-i-n-o mike ganino.com mike you thank you so much for joining me great stuff thanks for having me buddy this was fun all right, well, thanks again to Mike Ganino for coming on the show. If you want some information about his new book, head over to smartpizzamarketing.com. We've taken all the show notes for you there, and you can check everything out there. Just type in Mike or Ganino into the search bar, and all his episodes will come up, this one being the last. Uh, you can get a link to his book, get a link to his website, all of that good stuff over there. Also, I just want to say thanks to Susan from Our Town America, who's been a friend and a sponsor of the show for a long time. If you're looking to find new movers who move into your area, you definitely want to call Susan or email her at susan at ourtown.net. What she does is she comes up with a program for you to locate new people who have moved into your area. Not people who have moved from house to house or apartment to apartment, but people who have moved from other uh, towns or states, moved into your town, and they have no clue who you are. What she does is she helps you locate them, send them a package with an offer from your business. They come in, they try you out for the first time because they have nowhere else to go or they don't know anywhere else to go because they're new. Uh, they like you. She helps you also come up with a follow-up package to send to them. And then, voila, you have a new customer, as long as you do a good job. And she helps you all do all of that for about a dollar per customer. So if you want some more information about that, Susan at OurTown.net is her email address. We have all of her information. There's even a short video of exactly what this program is and how it works over at SmartPizzaMarketing.com forward slash OurTown. All right, lastly, I want to say thank you for joining me on the show. If you want to reach out to me direct, Bruce at smartpizzamarketing.com is my email. I am at Irving Media on Twitter. On Instagram, I am at smartpizzamarketing. And don't forget about our live shows that we do uh, Tuesday nights. Sometimes throughout the month, we'll do a live show over on Facebook. But we also bring you some interviews. We're going to be doing a lot of live interviews over on Facebook and a lot of live broadcasts from pizzerias and restaurants. So go check us out on Facebook, Smart Pizza Marketing, uh, over on Facebook. And if you want to shoot me an email, if you have a question or a topic or someone we should have on the show, you can email me direct, bruce at smartpizzamarketing.com. I'm really excited for the next few episodes that we have coming out. Anthony Falco joined me. If you're not sure who Anthony Falco is, he was the pizza czar over at Roberta's. We also have Mikey from Mikey's Late Night Slice joining us on a future episode of the show. We've recorded those. Those should be coming out in the next few weeks. 
So you're going to want to hit the subscribe button, whether you're listening to this on iTunes or Stitcher Radio or Spotify. Hit the subscribe button. Leave me a review. Shoot me an email. Follow us on Instagram, whatever it is, just so you know that we have a lot of good content coming your way, all free right here on the podcast. And if you need our help, go check out our website, smartpizzamarketing.com. All right, guys, have a great week. We'll see you next time.